Recently, I came across the story of a music professor from Tennessee who had a hunch that his students were not reading his class instructions closely. So he tested an incoming class saying to them, please read your syllabus carefully because some things have changed. And what he didn't tell them was that if they looked carefully, they would find within the syllabus an Easter egg, as we like to call it, with these words written, free to the first two claims, locker 147, combination 15, 25, 35. And inside Locker 147, there on campus, they would find a crisp $50 bill, along with a pen and a pad and a note that read, congrats, please leave your name and date so I know who found it. Once or twice a week, the professor would go and check the locker and nobody would find it. Week would pass and week would pass. All the way to the end of the semester, no one had come to claim the prize, and the professor had made double sure that he set the locks combination on a random number that only he knew. When he checked it at the end of the semester, the dial on that lock had not even moved at all. $50 is a lot of money to a college student, right? And every single one of them missed out, even though that information was right in front of them the entire time. How often do we miss important opportunities right in front of us simply because we're not paying attention? By the way, in a locker here on our church campus, I've set a combination. If you find it, feel free to leave me $50 there. I, I would appreciate that. All kidding aside, throughout this Advent season, my prayer for myself and many of us in our church leadership have been praying that, that I, that we, would not miss the important things about this season. And it's really hard during a busy season like this to ask people to slow down. And it's really hard to, to ask people really to, to pay attention and, and to clear out mental space and emotional space to consider anything other than the hurriedness and busyness of our schedules. But we've been praying for you as we began the season of Advent and all the way through that you wouldn't miss, that we wouldn't miss some of the important things that God has for us. Things like time with our family, things like in our lives, the, the, the moments that God is trying to get our attention because there are some things that he just wants us to see and he wants us to not miss because they're important. And most importantly, we've been praying and I've been praying that we would not miss the Messiah during this season. And as we've talked about who the Messiah is, we've looked back deep into the scriptures. We've talked about how for generations, the people of God were crying out for a deliverer, for a redeemer. They were praying for the Messiah, the anointed one to come. And as the New Testament tells us, it was at just the right time when the world most desperately needed the Savior to come, that God gave us his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, born of a woman who put on flesh, who had blood flowing through his veins, who made his dwelling among us so that as he gives life that is light to all humankind, we might know that life through the light of the world, Jesus Christ, our Messiah. The light that is Jesus Christ shines in the darkness and scripture tells us the darkness can never overcome him. 
And as we prayed for you during this season, as I prayed this for myself, the good news for all of us today is that tonight we have one more chance to not miss it. Because we are here to celebrate the good news that the Messiah has been born. The Anointed One has come to us as God's promised Savior for each and every one of us. And we've talked about for the last few weeks some things that the Bible teaches us about the Messiah. He was a Messiah for the masses. He was a Messiah of promise. We talked about the shepherds and Mary and Joseph's background and how he was a Messiah from the margins. And then we talked about some of the other visitors who came to see the child born in Bethlehem and we said he was a Messiah for the nations. And this evening, we remember that he is a Messiah for all of us. And here on this Christmas Eve, I want to give us some important reminders that we see in this Advent story about who God is and about just how much God loves us through the Bible's telling of the birth of the Messiah. Now, I want to say to all the boys and girls in the room, there's not quite as many of you as we're here in the last service so you're going to have to be extra loud during this time okay so boys and girls are you there are you looking at me are you ready okay every year on christmas eve i try to have some times when i'm teaching so that you don't get too bored but even more importantly that your parents don't get too bored your grandparents don't get too bored and we make sure everybody's paying attention so there's going to be some times where i say boys and girls i want you to say this word and you have to say it really really loud okay so say yes all right boys and girls come on now i know you can do a lot better because you got to be ready it can happen without you being ready and you got to be prepared ready say yes oh yeah nice okay they are in the house tonight okay pay attention boys and girls there are going to be some times where i tell you to say something and one of those times is coming here in just a second as we talk tonight about these three important reminders about who god is and how much God loves us as we read the stories of the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Here's the first one. The birth of Jesus the Messiah reminds us that God is always, boys and girls say always. always. Good job. God is always at work, even in the everyday circumstances of our lives. And I have to tell you just as a personal confession, I struggle to remember this often, that God is always at work even in the everyday moments of our lives. I especially struggle to remember this when I'm inconvenienced or when things don't go according to my plans or when I think a certain task I'm going to do is going to take this amount of time and it takes twice as long. I struggle to remember that even in the annoying and inconvenient moments of everyday life, God is always at work, and even in those moments, perhaps God has things to teach us. Luke, as he tells us the story in chapter 2 of Christ being born, reminds us that this is not a once-upon-a-time kind of story. This happened in real time, in real history, at a moment that people could remember when Augustus was the Caesar in Rome and Quirinius was the governor in Syria and a census was taken of the entire world that everybody certainly could remember. This was an everyday circumstance of life and yet God was doing something quite extraordinary in these moments. 
Now, why would Caesar have wanted to take a census? Well, he, he first of all told everyone to go back to the place, the main place of their family's heritage so that they could register, so they could be counted. But a couple of reasons why a Caesar would want to register you, first of all, to make sure that everybody is paying your taxes and that you're paying all the taxes you're supposed to pay. Another reason why Caesar wanted people to register is to count how many men were in your family and, and make sure that they were enlisted if they were to be enlisted for forced military service in the empire. So, so Caesar had his reasons for bringing people to their hometowns and for counting them. We talked about Caesar Augustus the last few weeks and how he wanted to be treated like a god. He even used language to describe himself of, of him being a savior. And when he told people to write the story of his life, he said, write that my birth was gospel. My birth was good news. And yet as we sit here this evening on Christmas Eve, none of us have come into this place to worship Caesar Augustus, right? And we're not here to worship Herod the Great, these others that we read about in these stories. We are here because we know who the savior is. We know Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Lord, and we worship him, which means that even though it was the edict of Caesar that caused everybody to be on the move that first Christmas, it's God who was in control of all that was happening. And it was God's purpose, God's will, God working in the everyday circumstances of life that caused Joseph and Mary to end up in Bethlehem. So that the child would be born there as the scripture had said. I love what J. Vernon McGee wrote. He said, I wonder if anyone had said to Caesar, well, wait a minute. There are women who might be about to give birth and they're going to have to be moved in order for you to get your taxes. And McGee said, if Caesar was asked that question, he probably would have responded, I don't care. But even though caesar's will was putting people on the move it was god again who uses normal events in history like a census to use his divine providence to fulfill his divine promises as god was moving and working in the everyday circumstances of life the birth of jesus the messiah also reminds us that god invites us into the work that he's doing just as he did with mary and joseph that we might not merely be disconnected bystanders, but rather that we might be active participants in the work that God is doing. Verses 4 and 5 tell us the next part of the story. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and she was expecting a child. I love the way G. Campbell Morgan wrote, if we could listen back nearly 20 centuries, we would hear the tramping of millions of feet all over the roads of the Roman Empire in obedience to Caesar's decree. And on those roads, we would see a man and a young pregnant woman making that long, hilly, and bumpy journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And that young woman on that road was the temple of the Son of God. As the early Christians would say, he who the world could not contain 
was contained in her womb. And Mary and Joseph were invited in to the incredible work that God was doing, work beyond our comprehension of bringing heaven to earth in the form of a newborn baby who would put on flesh, who would be God condescending to us and making his dwelling among us so that we might be made right with him. Did God need Mary and Joseph to do this? No, but he chose to involve them in his work nonetheless, not as passive bystanders, but as active participants. Yet as Mary and Joseph entered Bethlehem, they did not stand out in any way. In fact, as we read the scriptures, it seems clear that they did not receive any special treatment, even though they were carrying the Son of God. Mary and Joseph, as they entered Bethlehem, simply blended in. I know that many of you know that I'm, I'm an, a great admirer of art, especially Renaissance art. Now, I have no artistic ability in me, but I admire it and appreciate it when I see it. And oftentimes during our Christmas Eve service, I like to share a painting with you. This year, I've chosen a painting that's about 500 years old by Peter Bruegel the Elder, the great Flemish master known for his landscapes. And this painting is called A Census at Bethlehem. Boys and girls, are you ready? This painting is called A Census at Bethlehem. Boys and girls say, ooh, pretty. Ooh, pretty. Isn't it pretty? It's amazing what Bruegel has done here that Bethlehem in biblical times looks a lot like 16th century Belgium. I'm not sure why that's the case. But the reason that I've chosen this painting is because it is really hard to find Mary and Joseph. You see in the scene of this little town, in the low countries, so many things are taking place in this moment. There are children in a snowball fight. There are folks preparing a meal. There are chickens pecking at seed. There's a man gazing at the sunset and many other details. But among the hustle and bustle in the small town, Joseph and Mary simply blend in. Mary's riding a donkey. She's wearing a blue shawl. You might be able to find her a little easier now. And Joseph leads the animal carrying carpentry tools. Neither of them have halos. There aren't angels surrounding them. As Bruegel depicts what I think the Bible describes, it's an average couple with no, without notoriety who could not even find a decent place to sleep, let alone to give birth to their child, who are walking through Bethlehem, coming to this place where the Savior of the world would be born to Mary. God brought two ordinary people into the most extraordinary moments in human history as active participants in the miraculous just as he does for us he invites us into the story of what he is doing in the world even today not that we would be disconnected bystanders but that we too would be active participants and one of the reasons for this is the final thing we're reminded of tonight about God and his love for us the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, reminds us that God always works in accordance with his will and according to that which he promised. We might say it this way, God always keeps his promises. 
And these stories remind us that God was keeping his promises that he made to his people for centuries and centuries before this moment happened. What's described in these last two verses, where Luke only uses a few words, is actually the fulfillment of many, many words of prophecy that we read and we heard tonight from books like Isaiah, prophets like Isaiah, and prophets like Micah, and the Psalms of the Hebrew Scriptures. Time and time again, God's promise of the Messiah was proclaimed. And in these few words, Luke says his promises were fulfilled. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Though Luke only uses a few words to describe the birth of the Messiah, the significance of these words could never be quantified. And whatever took place on their arrival, it appears that Joseph and Mary found little to no hospitality in Bethlehem. Even for the birth of her child, there was no decent guest room, only a manger. In fact, we might say it in words that we've grown accustomed to the last couple of years. Mary and Joseph were kept at a distance from everyone else as they entered the city and eventually as they gave birth, as Mary gave birth to the child. You know, I had a sort of an, an embarrassing experiencing experience with, with sneezing during these COVID days a few months ago. It was a sneezing problem. Boys and girls say, achoo. Okay, sneeze louder than that. Boys and girls say, achoo. My wife and I were at this really fancy charity dinner. We're sitting at a round table with a bunch of people. And, and in the middle of somebody talking, and this happens to me sometimes when I'm talking, I started coughing a little bit and I couldn't stop. And as I'm trying to cough quietly into my arm and I'm trying to not draw attention, but you know, in a pandemic and flu season and all of that, the, the more you keep coughing, the more people get uncomfortable. And the more I kept coughing, I'd cough and I'd feel the chairs kind of scooting away from me. And I'd, I'd cough again and, and again. I'd, I, you could even hear the chairs squeaking on the floor, scooting away from me. And finally, I felt it coming. I felt the sneeze coming. And I was, you know, it's awkward to sneeze around people now, isn't it? I felt the sneeze coming. I was doing everything I could to hold it in. And finally, boys and girls say, achoo again. Achoo. I sneezed. And, and, and the awkwardness was palpable around that table. And I said to my wife, nobody wants to be my friend anymore at this table. We have gotten really good the last few years at keeping others at a distance. As Mary and Joseph entered Bethlehem, even as Jesus was born, people were keeping them at a distance. But what we remember and why we talk about God's promises being fulfilled is that when Jesus was born, in a way that humanity had never experienced before, God came near. Even to those who would want to keep him at a distance, God came near, which is why we call Jesus our Emmanuel, because it means, that name means God is with us. In Bethlehem, God came near to us like never before. And whether this season has been a jolly one for you or a hard one for you, tonight I pray that all of us remember that God came near in Jesus Christ. He entered into our mess, and because of his sacrificial death and through his victorious resurrection, he is the light of the world who gave life 
to all humankind. And he is the one that we've come here to worship together tonight.